You're listening to a podcast from Columbia Christian Fellowship in Columbia, Pennsylvania. Our services are weekly at 10 a.m. We hope to see you there. So good to see everyone this morning. Thank you. It's great to be away, but it is great to be back. <clears throat> so while people are finding their seats, first of all, a tremendous thank you to Ray Kaufman for filling the pulpit last week. I've heard tremendous positive feedback. Thank you, Ray. And on a side note, you went over an hour, so that made me look good. <laughs> thank you. I'm so blessed in this church because I have men who can fill the pulpit so readily. And of course, being down at the beach, I didn't have time for a sermon. So this week, we're going to welcome Steve Robinson into the pulpit. He graciously volunteered to preach for us today. Oh, you push it. Yep. Oh. I am still me. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Um, first, I'd like to pray. Father, we just give you honor and glory for the awesome God that you are. Father, we just pray for this message today. I pray that every word that comes out of my mouth this morning comes from you, and none of the words come from me. You have a message for each and every one of us today, Lord, and I pray that I will deliver it the way that you desire. I pray that I can deliver it in a way that it touches each and every heart in this room the way that you desire it to touch, Father. I thank you for this opportunity, Lord. I thank you for being my God. I thank you for being our God. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, first, I... I want to apologize to all everyone who's normally here. We normally have, uh, they put the message up on the screen, um, different scriptures and, and whatnot. And the pastor and even Dan and the other speakers use that a lot. The, I won't be using that today. The issue I have is when I volunteer to give a message, the Lord will give me a message, but it seems like I can never put it together. I just have all kinds of thoughts. Every time I try to sit down and put a message together, a hundred thoughts are going through my mind at one time, and I can't gather them. The only time I can get good thoughts is when I'm in a car and I can't write them down or I'm in bed and I can't wake Deborah up to write them down. <laughs> I mean, if I could do that, I could probably have a great message. But I usually write something down, but normally it isn't anything that I say. So that being said, here I go. <laughs> uh, today's message is from the key message or the key passage today is Joshua 24, 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, 
then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We have a choice to serve our Lord or do we have a choice to serve the enemy? That really is our only two choices. And those those choices are very important. First thing I want to, I just want to give you some background on myself and my salvation. Uh, One day about Actually, we're celebrating our 25th anniversary here this year. So, 25 years ago, uh, I woke up in the morning, and uh, a spring morning, early May, and I made the choice. I became a coach in baseball, youth baseball for Columbia, and I was coaching for a few years. And this morning I got up and I chose to go out to the ball field to prepare the ball field, help prepare the ball field for the summer, for the summer season. A lot of you have heard this story, but some of you may not have heard it. And two men got up that morning and made a choice to go out there and volunteer to get the fields ready. When I got there, I asked the person in charge, I says, where do you want me to be? And he says, well, go paint the restroom. Okay, so right away I'm thinking, a little side note, I didn't have a real good reputation, uh, especially with umpires. And... uh, so whenever they told me to go clean, or clean the restroom and paint the restroom, I'm figuring this is a, uh, just a shot to me, you know, because they had no, didn't like me, didn't respect me, and they wanted to punish me, so they sent me to the restroom. Well, so I go in there, and I'm in there painting the restroom, and in comes and walks this other man who made the choice to come out and get the fields ready. And this man came in and he started painting and my first thought is what did he do wrong? (laughs) And so we're in there painting and we're talking and this was really one of my lowest periods. Um, And it was a low period in my life because of the choices that I had been making. I hope you all forgive me, but I was doing drugs, alcohol, uh, all those things, all those things that we shouldn't be doing. I was making those choices to do them. I was searching. I figured the world had something for me. So I'm in this bathroom, and this man comes in, and I didn't ask him why he was being punished, but we're there painting, and then 
he starts talking to me. And he asked me if I knew the Lord. And I was raised in a Christian home, and I knew who the Lord was. But like I said, I was into the world. I was searching for all those good things every night. Well, not every night, but quite a few nights. I was searching for that good time or whatever. And this man talked to me, and he said, do I know the Lord? And I said, I honestly don't remember if I said I knew him or if, uh, or if I didn't know him, but I wasn't following him. And this man talked to me and talked to me to the point where I was broke down in tears. And then he asked me if I wanted salvation and if I wanted to be saved, and I said yes, and he prayed this, the prayer for salvation for me. That was 25 years ago. That was our pastor, our pastor Smith. He changed my life. He changed my life and the life of my family, my wife, my children. I was angry. I was, I was an angry person. Don't know why, but I was an angry person. And it didn't change right away. It was, you know, some people, as pastor has said, and I'm sure some of you has experienced, pastor experienced it. When he accepted Christ as his, as his Savior, he changed right away. I didn't change right away. I was still making bad choices. But over time, I grew in the Lord. And I'm not saying I'm perfect now. I still make bad choices. Not too long ago, a few years back, I was still one of those angry people. And I was angry at, at Deborah. Deborah's my wife of 40 some years. I was angry at her for some unknown reason. And Deborah has unshakable faith and unshakable love for the Lord. And I'll never forget. Whenever I would get angry, she would just follow me around and keep pumping Jesus, Jesus into my life. You know, did you pray? Uh, did you read the word? Have you been reading the word? I mean, just constant to, honestly, when I got angry, it got on my nerves. <laughs> and I'll never forget, this was another life-changing experience. We have a step, we go out through our one, uh, we call it the computer room, and it's one step down to, into the laundry room. And Deborah's only five foot one on a good day. And so she's standing on the step, and I'm down in the laundry room. And she would not let me, she's in the doorway, and she would not let me by. And she said to me, did you pray about it? And I looked her dead in her eye and said, no, I don't want to pray about it because I know if I pray about it, then it will be over. I want to be angry. And that's when it came to me that that's when it really hit me that I have a choice. 
We have a choice as we go through this life, whether we want to be angry, whether we want to follow the enemy, whether we want to do drugs, alcohol, adultery, all those things. There's, there's so many things out there that we can choose that is not of God, that is not our God. Last week, for those of you who are here, Ray Kaufman did a message on traps. And that's one thing, there's two, there's two like I say, there's two choices. There's God and there's the enemy. And the enemy knows, as Ray said, the enemy knows what our traps are. He knows what each and every one of us, what will draw us to the other side. He knows what those traps are. And he will use them on us. All the time. He uses them on me. No matter how close we get to God, he will still use them on you. The closer you get to God, the less he will use them on you. But you, you'll be moving towards the Lord. And the enemy hasn't paid any attention to you for months, maybe even years. And you think you got it made, you got it conquered. He's left you. And then all of a sudden, he'll sneak something in there. One of those old traps to draw you to the other side. And then we have that choice. We have that choice. Whom are we going to serve? Are we going to serve the Lord or are we going to serve the enemy? And if you say no, I'm going to serve the Lord, he'll disappear and he'll disappear for maybe another year or two. But if you give in that one time, then he's not going to wait another year. He's going to be back in your pocket tomorrow. He's going to be in your face tomorrow. Because that's what he does. As soon as he gets you leaning towards the other side, he's going to come after you again. I hope Deborah doesn't mind, but our, uh, my Deborah's uh, nephew, my nephew by marriage, he was into drugs for quite a few years, but he gave his life over to the Lord. And he's gone to uh, AA meetings and all those meetings. And he's a born-again Christian, goes to church. My goodness, if he isn't in an AA meeting at work, he's at church. This young man has changed his life around. And it's been that way for quite a few years now, I believe. And just the other day, he's in the car with his mom. And his mom looks at him, and she could tell something was wrong. She could see that that joy that he's been living isn't there now for some reason. So she asks him about it, and he says, oh, there's nothing wrong, Mom. I'm okay. Just work things. So... He's, he doesn't drive because of all of his past discretions. He has lost his license. So his dad picks him up after work. His mom takes him to work. His dad picks him up after work, and his dad picks him up, and he drives him home. And I don't know if his dad asked him what was wrong, but I know his dad, when he got home, 
He said to his wife, he says, something's wrong with Brent. He just doesn't seem like him. He saw that that joy was not in him right now. Then they get a, a phone call. Well, they, then they said, well, let's pray. Let's pray for him right now. So they prayed for him. Then a little bit later, Brent's wife called his mother and said, something wrong, something's wrong with Brent. Everybody could see it. Because when we live on that side with our God, there's a joy in our hearts. And people can see it. When you truly love the Lord, people can see that joy, that peace that is in your heart. And when it leaves, even for a short time, people will notice that. And a lot of times, like Brent, oh, no, no, nothing's wrong. I'm good. Don't worry about me. I'm good. That's the enemy, believe it or not, because we're men and we're tough. We don't need anybody. Uh, Take it from me. Man or woman, we we need somebody. We need our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need our God. So, Brent's wife called, and she said the same thing. There's something wrong. So, his mom and dad, his mom said that we prayed for him. And I, I don't know how it happened, but it broke. Well, I know how that happened. I know that uh, whatever it was, it broke. But he called, Brent called his mom and said they bought a six-pack of beer. The enemy put that right in front of him. After all these years, and I mean it's been a number of years, the enemy said, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go visit Brent again, see if I can bring him back to my side. You can't lose your salvation. Brent will never lose his salvation. But he can become ineffective. He can steal that joy from his face. He can steal that joy from his life where he is not effective. When people see Brent... They want to, they ask, what is it about you that you're, you're smiling and that joy that you seem to have all the time? But whenever that's gone, they see that as well. That's what our God gives to us. That's the choice that we have. In this book, this book is full of choices made. And as I was trying to prepare this message, I was looking through here for choices made by different people in the Bible. And I would go from from the story of Abraham and Lot, how Lot chose to follow wealth, which took him to Sodom and Gomorrah, which caused him to lose his family. He lost his wife. It caused him to, for his daughters to lose their fiancés. 
for his daughters to get him drunk and have incest with him and children were born. There was choices made by David. The enemy put a woman in his life where he could, he could view her from her naked body from the balcony, which brought desire to his heart. So he goes and he makes love to this woman. She's a married woman. This causes David to commit, to orchestrate the death of this man's wife, or this, man, or this woman's husband. There's so many things in the Bible, or choices that we make. I was going to talk about, I was going to start at Jesus Christ, or I was actually going to start at Paul and work my way back to Adam and Eve. I was going to start at Adam and Eve and work my way forward to the, uh, to the resurrection of Christ. But that's not where the Lord led me. But there is every day, every day of our lives, when we wake up in the morning, you know, we make choices. And, you know, some of those choices do affect, they affect us. They always affect us. But they, you know, some of these choices will affect our families, our spouses, our children, our grandchildren. There's somewhere in, in this word where it says about the, the sins of the father will affect the lives for generations. You know, and I thought about that and I thought, well, why? Why does that happen? But it's not that the Lord does this, you know, to punish the generations to come just because of a mistake I made. It's just because of the mistake I made affects the generations afterwards. Paul, who was Saul, he... He persecuted Christians. He did everything he could to, really, to kill Christians or have them killed, put in prison and have them killed. And one day he decides, he made the choice or the decision to go to Damascus to persecute, arrest, whatever he could to do to Christians. Now, he made a choice that was against God. He made a choice that for what he thought he was going to do. But God said, well, I have something else that I want you to do. And he struck him down on the way to Damascus and struck him blind. And he told him to go and see a man, Ananias. Is that right? I got the name right. And Ananias would pray for him, and he would see again. And then he chose to follow the Lord after that. I tell that story because no matter what our, our parents have done and the sins of the father will affect the generations, no matter how we were raised, no matter what our, our parents have done to us, against us, 
we still have a choice. No matter what the decisions were made, we can say enough. My family, myself, my family, and the generations that follow me are not going to go down that path. I am going to choose the Lord. We have to do that. We have the opportunity to do that. When the Lord gave me this message, or asked me to do this message, you young men here at Mono's house, you made some poor decisions in your life. And that's what brought you here. And that could be, you could right now think that's a bad thing. Why am I here? When you woke up this morning, you chose to come into this church. You may have chose to come into this church just to get away from that building for a few hours. And there's nothing wrong with that. But two things. The Lord brought you here. He can change your life. And no matter what you have done in your past, our God, your God, loves you. And he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to come to him. And he will wait. And he will wait. And he will call. And when he calls, you will have that choice. Just like each and every one of us in here. We have that choice. To come to him. To surrender to him. And to try and live more like him. And when we accept our Lord Savior as our, our Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, we don't become perfect. I often tell Pastor, I kind of like, th- think of golf as like God. Because in golf, no matter how good you get, you can always be better. And in our God, no matter how close we can get, we can always get closer. And we can always become better. I want to share a few scriptures before I go. Deuteronomy 30:19. This is from the NIV. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. God gives us a choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Blessings is what he gives us here when we choose him. Like I said, the story of Brent, the joy that's in his heart and that's in his countenance, that is one of the blessings that our God gives us. Proverbs 3, 5, 6. This is one of my favorites. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Make the choice to surrender to him. Make your choice to let him guide your path. 
1 Corinthians 10, 13. This is from pastor's new favorite, the, the Passion Translation. We all experience times of testing, which is normal for every human being. But God will be faithful to you. He will screen and filter the severity, nature, and timing of every test or trial you face so that you can bear it. And each test is an opportunity to trust in him more. For along with every trial, God has provided for you a way to escape that will bring you out victoriously. As I think about that one, I often tell young people when I was teaching Sunday school, I would tell them about this verse and I would say, no matter what comes before you, God will lead, will give you a way out. God's way out is scripture. I would always say scripture. Memorize a scripture. No matter how long it is or how short it is. Memorize a scripture. And every time that you face something that is fear, anger, you're going to make a decision that's, that the enemy's targeting you and wants you to do something on the wrong side, just start repeating that scripture. And the enemy will flee. But living with Deborah and working with our grandchildren, there's one name. You don't even have to know a scripture. There's one name that will make the enemy flee. Ashlyn, Isaiah, what's that name? Again. There you go. Jesus. Just say the name. And it's so many times that I've seen them that they've been upset or disappointed and got a frown on their face and, and won't listen. And we'll just say to them, or they'll say, whichever one will say to the other, say the name. Say the name. And they'll say the name three times and a smile will come across their face. And all that anger or that frustration or whatever it is, is gone. And I've tried it. Try it. You cannot say his name three times in a row and not smile. That's who he is. That's what he can do for us. Philippians 4.8, keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. Proverbs 12, 15. A fool is in love with his own opinion, but wisdom means being teachable. We do think that we know everything, don't we? Especially us men. Uh, we know all there is. Proverbs. Okay, now I lost one. See, that's the problem with having notes. You lose your place. Now I have Proverbs 3. Matthew 6, I'm sorry. 
Matthew 6.33, again from the Passion Translation. So above all, constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. I don't want to hold you, I don't want to hold you up. I just want to share that we do make choices every day. And if we just search for the wisdom of God, that he will, he will lead you in the right direction. He will lead you right down the path. I often say that this book right here is an instruction manual. And the more I read it, the more I realize that that is so true. Anything you want to know about living life, you can find the right way you can find in this book. It is the greatest instruction manual ever written. And for all of us guys who buy bicycles and tables and things like that, we don't read instruction manuals. We just put them together. This is one we better we should read. I want to thank, before I sit down, I want to thank the, the band. Sonny uh, texted me in the middle of the week and asked me what he, uh, what songs, if I, any songs I wanted to hear, and I just said that it's up to him and the Lord because I know the Lord's going to lead him to the right songs. And every time I sing or every time I hear them and I'm singing the songs, the songs that they choose are just so right for the, for the time. And I always think, okay, when I get up and pray for the children, I'm going to mention that song or that part of that song. And I always forget it. For some reason, I can listen to a song forever but never memorize it. But there is a song in the next to the last song, My Father's House. It said, oh, jeez. It was, I'll just paraphrase. It said about if your decision, all the things that you did were not good, don't worry that the the story's not over. Your story's not over. You have a choice. Every one of us here, our story is not over. Even old guys like me, as long as I'm waiting, walking this earth, my story is not over. I can make a difference. I can make right choices. I can continue to seek my God. I want to read, then I'll let you go, a song. It's interesting how I got this message whenever I was more than a month ago. It was probably two months ago. The pastor asked about who wanted to give the message, and the Lord raised my hand. I didn't, but the Lord did. And so I had two months to prepare this. So I'm figuring being uh, head of the children's ministry, it's going to be about children. And I was set on that. And then I would think, well, we're all children of God, and we are. And so I'm thinking about it and what I'm going to say. And then one day I'm driving home from Hagerstown from work. And the Lord said, choose ye. And 
And he said, that's what he wants this message to be about. And so, again, I tried to prepare it. And I just pray that I did it right. I did it the way he wanted that it reaches everybody. But as soon as I got home, I put on this song. I hadn't listened to this song for quite a few years. I'm going to read it to you first because the words are just awesome. And then uh, Ron is going to play it for you. There's no words up there. We couldn't get the words for the PowerPoint. But as uh, Ron's playing it, as the song's playing, the band can make their way up for the final songs. But this song is called Chu Ji. While the time has finally arrived, you can't run anymore. There's nowhere, there's nowhere else you can hide. You've been searching oh so very long, but right now give in while the feeling is strong. Choose ye today whom you will serve. Will it be God or man? Well, now the choice is yours. But you must choose ye this day whom you will serve. Without a moment to lose, you must choose. You can feel him pulling inside. How long will you ignore that he's knocking at your door? You've been running, oh, so very long. But right now, give in while the feeling's strong. Now speak to you people all over the world. Salvation's plan is for everyone in every land. So we talk now to the old and to the young, and we will tell you all in your native tongue. And the song goes on and speaks in a different language, but the time is short, and the Lord is tugging at you. The Lord is tugging at you guys, every one of us. Forgive me for singling you out, but the Lord told me this was for you. And... I wish my boys would have been here. But could you go ahead and play that song, Ron? Thank you for listening to our weekly message. To connect with us, visit our website at blesscolumbia.org.